0: the war. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. One thing that happened during the war is there were programs made that uh, truly focused on what was being done by our Allied servicemen and women while the war was going on. In many cases, these stories required a little bit of uh, finessing, mainly to change locations and some operational details, and of course, a strong uh, focus on portraying the honor and dignity of these uh, armed services personnel. And one of the better of uh, programs in this line was Man Behind the Gun, Man Behind the Gun, was uh, directed by William Robeson, who uh, also was known for his work on many programs both before and after the war of high values such as Escape and Suspense. And he brought that same focus to war dramatizations. Sadly, most of that series is missing, but I think we'll try and bring you all of the episodes uh, before it's all said and done. Uh today's episode is the first one in existence and it actually takes a look at the men of the Royal Air Force. And the original air date on this was on January the sixth of not or january sixth, nineteen forty three. So here now is the man behind the gun.
1: Columbia Broadcasting System presents The Man Behind the Gun, dedicated to the fighting men of the United States and the United Nations. This week, we pay tribute to our allies in the Royal Air Force, of whom Winston Churchill said, never have so many owed so much to so few.
2: This is the way it is with the men of the Royal Air Force. This is the way it was two years ago when these few stopped Goering's Luftwaffe dead in the sky and spoiled Hitler's timetable of invasion on which the United States was a destination. This is the way it is now with the RAF, whenever German bombers roar in on the tight little island from occupied Europe. Tonight, the man behind the gun is Ronald Twine, Spitfire pilot of the Royal Air Force. ho Jeff. After you. There they are. Bandits. Nazi planes. Up ahead and to the left. At Angels, 2-0. Altitude, 20,000. Twelve of them. Junker, 88s. On their way to bomb London. Automatically, your hand reaches for the emergency throttle that gives you full horsepower. And you spar off behind Jeff and start boring in. Not a big flap today. Only you and Jeff and Gremlin Parker. They call him Gremlin because his ears stick out on either side like a gremlin's horns. You can hear him talking to himself.
1: Now look, Parker, old boy. It's all very well to be a ruddy hero. But let's make a serious effort to keep all in one piece, shall we? Mustn't forget, tonight is Sicily Mountbank's party. Wouldn't do to show up all perforated. Wouldn't do at
3: all.
4: Your phone is on, Parker. Don't get obscene or anything.
3: Eavesdropper. (laughs) Red leader here. Watch Jerry, chaps, up in the sun. Fighter escort. Ankles. So there are. Nasty looking brutes, too.
4: We're not going to turn off, are we, Skipper? You know, I haven't had a go at anything recently.
3: We'll stay on, Ronnie. Their fighters won't annoy us until we die for the attack. But then they'll be down on us like a ton of bricks. Anybody mind?
1: I mind, but I don't suppose there's much I can do about it now.
3: Not a thing. Line astern, you chaps. We're going in. Ronnie, you play rear end Charlie, will you?
1: Righto.
4: Leave something for me.
3: Take good care of me, won't you, Ronnie? I have a date with a delicious little fluff
1: for tonight. Echelon now, chaps. Okay, Skipper. Echelon it is. Let's go in now. Going down. There goes Jeff, diving into the formation of German
2: bombers. Parker is right behind him. Now it's your turn. Opened up now from above, ankle fighters, and out of the corner of your eye you see a stream of tracer bullets searching for your wing. And then you half roll out of it automatically, and twist up underneath the Yunker bomber, and feed them everything you've got from stem to stern. You'll feel your plane shuddering under the recoil. You seem to stand still in the air for a few seconds. And then you turn the fire lever off as you roar out from underneath bombers have broken formation now. Some of them have turned away already, and you let them go. Bandits on the left. Follow me. And you flip over in a tight roll and straighten out behind Jeff, wondering where Parker is. Then you're in it again, running the gauntlet, waiting for your chance at the bombers ahead. 400 yards. 300. Now the rear gunner on the Yonkers is firing at you, and you weave from side to side in great sweeping arcs. 250 yards. 200. And you start firing in quick little bursts as you pass the rear gunner on each swing. Then in the mirror you see a familiar shape, weaving with you and getting closer. The German Heinkel. You see his gun ports winking at you like little flashing lights, and you know he's firing at you. Then your instrument panel goes to pieces before your eyes. That's how you know you've been hit. You set your teeth and stop weaving and bore right into the bomber ahead and start feeding it to him. Then you see the Nazi gunner try to stand up in his little cubby hole as the plastic blast splinters all around him. And then he pitches down out of your sight. You got him. Now the German fighter is coming in from astern. Without a conscious effort on your part, you spiral down out of the formation trying to get away from the Heinkel. You keep hoping you won't have to jump. They love to shoot up parachutes. Then suddenly it's all right. Jeff is working on the Heinkel. Thanks, Jeff. Get him for Parker. And he does, firing in quick, short bursts. Following every move the German makes, he goes boring in on the Heinkel. Then it turns belly up like a fish, and you can see the white line of traces pouring into its length. Then, slowly and sluggishly, it turns over on its back and falls into a spin. A flame from end to end. Good work, Jeff.
4: One for Parker.
1: Do I hear someone talking about me?
4: Oh, Parker. I thought you copped it.
1: Not me. I told you I had a date tonight.
3: Where were you on that last
1: mix-up? Oh, I was there. As a matter of fact, I polished off a Yunker's. Someone has been thoughtful enough to shoot up the rear gunner for me. Ronnie did that. Good show, Ronnie.
2: Good show yourself. You hope you don't sound like a dog in the manger. But you can't help wishing you had a Heinkel or a Junkers on your own scoreboard. Even a Messerschmitt 109. Everybody has 109s. Everybody but you, that is. All you get are assists. Mr. Parker shot down a Junkers 88 today. Brilliant assist by Mr. Ronald Twine.
3: Anyone know where we are? Haven't the least idea. You, Ronnie?
4: Not I. Could be anywhere by now.
3: Lovely boy. So helpful. I'll call in. Hello? 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 Red Leader to Strawberry Control. Where are we? Where are we? Hello, Strawberry Control. Hello? Where are we? Over. You're now over Sugar Beer Beer. Your home course will be Red Seven Zero. Is that understood? Over. Red Leader here. You are understood. We are over sugar, beer, beer. Our home course is red seven zero. Off.
1: Well then let's go, you lads. Let's go home or we'll be late for Sicily's party.
2: This is the party Parker was so anxious to get to. He's taken you along and Jeff, too. It's a fine party as parties go with death hanging overhead. There are pretty women everywhere. Bare shoulders in the candlelight. Soft voices. It's gay. You hardly notice the blackout drapes and the gas masks.
5: I'm so awfully glad to see you. Oh, hello, aren't you dancing, Ronnie? I'm terribly sorry. I
4: never lent to. An awkward
2: fellow. Oh, I...
5: Well, have a good time. Thank oh, you. there you are, Charles. I've been looking at
4: Have a good
2: time. Of course. It's easy enough if you don't mind being shy. If you're satisfied just watching, you wish you could talk to women easily, gracefully, amusingly, like Jeff does, so that their laughter will tinkle out across a room like...
5: like a little silver bell.
4: Like her laughter. She's beautiful. She's beautiful. Cicely's beautiful.
5: Is she? What? Oh, well, who are you? Oh, it doesn't matter. You seem to be interested in Cicely.
4: I, I didn't realize I'd spoken aloud.
5: Ah, but you did. You very definitely did. You said, she's beautiful. Cicely's beautiful. Did I? Yes. But alas for your illusion. I happen to know that her hair is completely and utterly false. She bought it, every delightful strand of it, from an old gypsy woman who needed the money. She paid very little for it, too, I understand. A mere song.
4: Uh, I say, really? Oh,
5: quite. Yes, I believe the title of the song was Mother McCree or something very similar. The gypsy woman was fond of music, you see.
4: I see. You're pulling my leg.
5: <laughs> oh, oh, not very hard. Just ever so little. Oh, oh look, please don't be angry, please.
4: I'm not. I just don't think you're very amusing.
5: And that, my dear Christine, should be a lesson to you. Goodbye, young man.
2: Goodbye. She's gone now. Didn't take long to get rid of her. That's the way to do it. That's how to make friends. Let her start a conversation and then leap down her throat at the earliest opportunity. Idiot. She's beautiful, too. More than the other. Christine, she called herself. Christine. Nice. Talking to Jeff now. Or rather, he's talking to her. Motioning with his hands. Showing her how he got his first Heinkel, probably. Wish I might get a Heinkel. Oh, yes. You wish you could get a Heinkel. Or even a Messerschmitt 109. Everybody's had 109s. Everybody but you. We're back on that again, are we? Might almost make a song of it. Everyone has a 109. Everyone but me.
3: Oh, here it is. I say Ronnie... Tell this dreadful woman how we got that Heinkel today. Jeff got it. I had very little to do with it, really. There, you see, Chris? Oh, by the way, do you know... Hello, Christine.
5: Hello, Ronnie.
4: You're making fun of me again.
5: (laughs) You still haven't developed a sense of humor.
4: Am I intruding? I'm sorry I was so stuffy. I'm
5: sorry I was so impertinent.
4: Nice party, isn't it? Look here, Ronnie. I saw a first... A
5: lovely party. Trifle crowded, though, isn't it?
3: Yes. Isn't it, Jeff? Oh. (laughs) Oh, All right. I'll go quietly. But if I'm found dead with a gun in my hand, you'll know why you two.
4: (laughs) Nice fellow, Jeff.
5: Oh, very.
4: Uh, I'd ask you to dance, but...
5: Would you really? Uh,
4: But I, I don't know how, I'm afraid. Oh. My feet don't match or something.
5: I had an uncle once whose feet didn't match. He had a dreadful time. <laughs>
4: I can imagine. Whatever became of the old stuff? Well, he
5: took up Yogi at an advanced age and died in Capri of trying to cross his feet behind his head.
4: <laughs> I like Capri. Oh
5: yes. Very nice place Capri. The water is the water's so, so blue. blue. <laughs> <laughs>
4: Out in the rain.
5: Yes, it makes the blackout so much blacker. Nice party. Yes, very nice. Too bad it had to rain, though.
4: Oh, no, I shouldn't have been able to stay on if it hadn't. Night raiders, you know.
5: Yes, I know. I've been through a couple of blitzes.
4: I'd hate to be a civilian. Oh, so would I. Aren't you?
5: <laughs> no. Me are my party clothes. Daytimes, I wear a uniform. Oh, perhaps you won't like me in uniform.
4: I like you even more. If that's possible. Yeah. What kind of a uniform?
5: Wren. Mm-hmm. But never mind that. Tell me about your flying. What's it like up there at night, for instance? Can you see anything?
4: Not for the first half hour or so. And then you can see fairly well. It's surprising. Too bad we couldn't find a cab.
5: Oh, I don't mind. I like walking.
4: Uh, of course, there's something You know, about... you
5: talk a great deal, don't you? Well, I... Yes, I... you do. Too much. Much, much. Too... Oh. Oh, that's better.
4: I think I'm in love with you. Do you mind?
5: No, but isn't it rather sudden? Oh. You know, I sound mid-Victorian, don't I? This is so sudden. (laughs) (laughs) You're nice, Christine. And you're sweet. But don't change the subject. You were talking about being in love with me. Continue. Continue.
4: Uh, I I shouldn't. It isn't fair.
5: Why not?
4: I might be killed any day.
5: Well, there's that, of course. Are you afraid?
4: Afraid of dying? No, there isn't time. You get into a fight and it's very impersonal. It's like chess on a grand scale. You make a move, your opponent makes a move, and then one of you wins the game.
5: And the other loses. Mm, That's right. I wish we wouldn't talk like this. Whatever became of that gay, meaningless conversation we were having?
4: I said I loved you. Was that meaningless?
5: No. No, that... That really meant something. Well, here we are. This is my house.
4: Well, Christine... Ronnie,
5: let me say something. Oh, please do. It's not easy being in love in wartime. Everything changes so much. You have to be so quick and certain of things. There's no time for thinking. You have to catch at things as they go by. You have to be quick about it and... And I'm afraid. What do you mean? Well, what I'm trying to say is, Ronnie, that I'm so certain. So very certain about you and me.
4: Christine, I.
5: I. Oh, darling.
2: It doesn't rain forever, and a few days later the weather clears off, and you're back in the dispersal hut at the airdrome waiting for flying orders. And that's all right. You know that next time up you'll get an official. Next time up you're going to get a German all your own. You stand there at the open door of your locker tearing off the pictures inside. All the American cinema stars you flipped from magazines. All the beautiful anonymous girls from everywhere whose pictures are inside the door of your locker.
3: Hello, what's this? Breaking up your collection, Ronnie? Mm. Ah, may I have that one? Mm. (laughs) Haven't seen a tiger skin rug in years. Rotten joke. See the paste
4: anywhere? Here you are.
3: What's this? Putting up a picture of... Well, I'll
4: be. Christine. Yes. Uh, We're engaged, Jeff. Going to be married my next
3: leave? No. Uh Uh-huh. Quite. Oh, wonderful. Oh, you lucky dog, you. Well, I can't understand what she sees in you. You know, my heart's positively smashed and so my life completely devastated, but I think it's first rate. Absolutely first rate. I tell you, my boy. 4th and Just... F- red section. Scramble. There it is. Parker, up. Get Parker, somebody. Come, come on, Ronnie. Come on.
2: And then you're running across the drone to where your planes are already warming up. It's business now.
3: Did you sign the 700 sheet, Ronnie? Yes, I did. Fine. Better set your gun size for about 40-foot wing spread. Mr. Schmitz? Probably. See you later. Right Give me a leg up, Tinky. Right on, Mr. Twine. She's all up and ready, sir. Good enough. Up the seat? Right here, yes, sir.
4: Received a mechanic, one aircraft in good condition. There you are. Good luck, Mr. Twine. Don't worry. Today's my day. Stand clear. Now you'll look over and see Parker just settling down in
2: his cockpit. Up ahead, Jeff is watching. You give him a thumbs up, and he waggles his tail fin. Take off. <laughs> feathering on the propeller and open up the throttle, keeping in a tight V with Parker and Jeff, taking off in formation. Then, as the ground drops away, you hear Jeff on the radio telephone.
3: Hello. Hello. Just that control. Red Leader here. Airborne at 1220. Over. Pretty well, Red Leader. Stand by.
2: Now you're going up in a figure eight, getting altitude, 5,000 feet. Ten thousand. You take a few deep breaths of oxygen. They're Still going up. Thirteen thousand now. And the air is clear and blue.
3: Hello, Red Section leader. Chestnut Control here. Are you receiving me? Are you receiving me? Answer. Chestnut Control from Red Leader. I am receiving you very well. Go ahead. Over. Hello, Red Leader. Your vector is Z-9-Z. Is that understood? Hello, Chester Control. Red leader answering. Receiving and understood. Vector is Z-9-Z. Off. All right, you chaps. Set your compasses for Z-9-Z. Formation is line astern. Parker will play rear end Charlie. Understood?
4: Understood, Skipper.
2: You're still going up. You lean forward quickly and adjust the oxygen indicator to 20,000 feet. You're a little dizzy from the fast climb and the oxygen, but everything's okay. The motor sounds fine. The mixture's a little too rich, perhaps, and you adjust the carburetor intake carefully.
3: Red two and three from red one. Echelon red.
2: You spread out to the left and above Jeff, flying in a stepped up formation now. So far, so good. All you need now is a target keep listening for the director.
3: Hello, Red Leader. Chestnut Control here. At Angels 1-5. Lord Bandit.
2: An enemy bomber at 15,000 feet. That's what you've been waiting for. Quickly, you reset your gun sights to the wingspread of a bomber. Then you switch your gun button to the fire position.
3: Red 2 and 3 from Red 1. Let me know if you see anything,
2: Your eyes start that shifting circle. It's become a habit now. You look down on one side, then up. Down ahead, then up. Down on the other side, then up.
4: Tally-ho! Red one from red two. Below, on the right.
2: There he is, all right. A Yunker's 88 from the look of him. Must have lost his formation, you think, to yourself, as you heel over behind Jeff's diving plane. Yunkers, don't travel alone.
3: Tally-ho! Meat on the table! Must have lost his formation, eh, Skipper? Yes, sir. Uh, you still with us, Parker? I'll pick up the pieces. Ah, uh-huh, there won't be any. Let's go. Go in
2: from the side, you're thinking. Go in from the side. There's no armor there in the Yokers. But the pilot has seen you. He's turning to face you now so his gun turrets can go into action. You center your gun sights on his forward blister, and he gets larger and larger in the circles. Now you see his machine gun winking at you in little bursts of flame. Too far? 300 yards now. Jeff is firing into him as he roars past. Then it's your turn and you bring up your nose a little and let him have it. Then you're zooming up and over to come in from the rear behind Jeff. It's too fast the other way. You can see Parker right behind you in the rear vision mirror. And then Jeff goes in from the side and you see his traces getting home. Then he's gone and it's your turn again turret gunner swiveling around from following Jeff to try to get a line on you. Then your thumb presses down on the gun. Button. Then you're by again, and you wheel up and over for another run. But it isn't necessary. He's done for. His nose drops down on the sickening lurch, and his motors are trailing smoke. The incendiaries have hit home. Now little shapes are dropping out of the bomber's hatches, scrambling wildly in the air, then their parachutes open, the bomber plunges past the Germans and goes down out of sight in the clouds. You got him. Number one for Ronald Twine.
1: Good show, Ronnie. Couldn't have done better myself.
2: Number one. You snap open and over in a tight barrel roll. The
4: victory roll. And then, a sudden thought is in your mind. Red two here. I say, skipper... Do you suppose that'll be confirmed? Uh, will they see it come
0: down?
3: I don't see how they can miss. I'll call in. Hello, just a control. Red Leader here. Watch for falling bandit. Watch for falling bandit. Over. Hello, Red Leader. Bandit crashed nearby. Bandit crashed nearby. See, try and get them a little farther from home next time, will
4: you? (laughs) (laughs)
1: Going to be called up again. You got any idea? Oh, I say, look here, beans again, beans and tea. Oh,
3: put. And the beans are always too hot, and the they tea's are. too cold. Yes. Well, fill up, my lad. We'll be off on another flap before long, or I miss my guest. This weather's too good for Jerry to stay away, you
2: know. It's late afternoon now. One more flap, and you'll be through for the day. You'll be seeing Christine. The name fills your mind and your heart.
4: Christine, Uh, listen
1: to the boy.
2: He's he's talking to himself now.
1: Oh, love is a dreadful thing, but still it's better than beans and tea. (laughs) Look around the dispersal hut briefly,
2: looking at all the faces. Wondering how they feel about waiting for the loudspeaker to pop off. Wondering if they've ever been in love. If they're in love now. Stand by. There it is. All the faces are still now. Some of the men stand there with a fork full of beans poised halfway to their mouths. Jeff has his mouth open to take a swallow of tea. It stays open.
3: Squadron 11, blue and red sections. Squadron 14, black and white sections. Scramble.
2: A big one this time. Twelve planes in the air at once, and more coming from other airdromes, probably. A big flap, all right and suddenly you're cold inside. All the while you're getting ready to take off, while you're putting on your chute and buttoning up your flying suit, while you're checking your instruments and giving Jeff the go-ahead, you're thinking, maybe this is the last one for me. And you feel it as strongly as you've always felt before that you'd come back. This time you have a feeling that you won't come back. And you think of Christine waiting and waiting and nothing beyond waiting. (laughs)
3: Chestnut control from Red Leader. Red and blue sections, airborne at 1805. Over. Hello, red and blue sections. Chestnut control here. Your vector is 175. At Angels 20, many, many bandits. Buster.
2: Buster means hurry. You lean forward and pull out the throttle another notch. You're climbing steeply now. Getting dark, and you blink your eyes trying to get used to it. Altitude is ten thousand now. Going up like an elevator.
3: Radar blue sections from Chestnut Control. Bandit's are over. met reference. Sugar talk talk three three five zero. Oh. I say again, Sugar talk talk three three five zero. Oh. Is that understood? Over to you. Hello, Chestnut Control. Bandit is over. Sugar talk talk. 3 3 You are understood. Listening out. All units from Red Leader. Bandit is three or four miles to the left. Buster.
2: They're coming in over the Devon Coast, not far off. The plane ahead pulls away a little, and you'll reach for the auxiliary throttle and give your hurricane full petrol. Altitude is 15,000 now, and you're on oxygen. The air is cold on your face above the mast, but your hands are sweating. Now you reach out and snap on the gun sights, and a little light is hardly comforting.
3: Red leader, have you located bandits? Have you located bandits? Over, red leader, answering. Not yet. Stand by. Red leader to all units. Look, look, look.
2: You're watching for the enemy now. Should be around here somewhere. they are still climbing. Twenty thousand now. You set the gun button on firing position. You wonder briefly if somewhere nearby the enemy's doing the same thing. Caliho! ho! There they are, about 50 of them, with a fighter escort above and behind.
3: Hello, Chester Control. Have found bandits. It's going in. Off. Now
2: Jeff heels over in the two sections far off, one at a time and following.
3: Get the front ones. Going down.
2: All you can do is try to break up the formation. Make them turn around and go home. So you dive at full power, weaving slightly. And then you pick out your target and go for them. It's darker now, and you can see the traces very plainly, searching for you. Then you're in range and you press the button. Automatically, you pull back on the stick to climb up for another run. And the pressure of the pullout forces you down into your seat until your tongue is hanging out. All around you, the sky is filled with groups of planes fighting like angry bees. You've broken up the formation. Suddenly, the rudder bar is vibrating beneath your feet. A Messerschmitt on your tail. Machine gun bullets eating away at your fuselage. And you'll loop up and over and down again and he stays with you all the way. Now you're weaving desperately, snapping over at the end of each arc, trying to shake him off, but he sticks. You think of Christine. This is the day she waits.
4: You're falling now. You're falling. Red leader from Red 2. I'm going down now, Jeff. So long. The plane doesn't answer the stick. And you reach up to pull
2: back the hatch combing so he can bail out. The hatch is jammed, and for a brief second, your mouth and throat are choked with panic. Your hands fumble desperately and aimlessly with the instruments. Altitude is 12,000 now. 11,000. You try the rudder bar. Nothing happens. 10,000 now and picking up speed. The wind is shrieking in the open gun ports. 9,000. And then you start jamming the stick back and forth, trying to break it loose from whatever is holding it. It moves a little. Altitude 8,000 now. Desperately you strain backward on the stick. One last try. 7,000. It's coming. Your airspeed is dropping off. The nose is coming up. More, more, more. You're pulling out now. And the force is pushing you down into your seat until your stomach aches. Your chin hangs down into the sheepskin strap. And a river of black water seems to flow across your eyeballs. And you open your mouth and scream to get rid of the pressure. And it's all right now. The plane is answering the controls again. The motor is running hot and you drag to the left, but it's good enough to get home in.
4: Home. Hello. Chestnut Control. Hello. Chestnut Control. This is Red 2. May I come in and land? May I come in and land? Over, please.
3: Hello, Red 2. Chestnut Control here. Yes, you may come in and land. Yes, you may come in and land. Come ahead. Off.
2: Going home. And suddenly there's a picture in your mind. A picture of men and women going home all over England. Going home past bombed houses and burned churches. Their faces resolute. Determined that England one day will pay her Nazi tormentor in full. This is why you are flying. This is why you are fighting. You, the pilots of the RAF, are England's last line of defense. And her first line of attack.
1: The man behind the gun is presented each week at this time. For the purpose of telling you how your boys and their comrades in arms in the fighting forces of the United Nations are waging our war against Axis aggression. The gun is written by Ranald McDougal. Jackson Beck is the narrator. The original music is composed and conducted by Nathan Van Cleve. The production is directed by William N. Robeson for the Columbia Broadcasting System.
0: back a powerful and exciting story and i think a reminder we might take a look and say wow getting engaged to someone you've only known for a few and married to someone you've only known for a few weeks that's uh crazy but when you get into the midst of war i think a lot of things um become clear, and some things that were important before the war really kind of pale in comparison. I think the reality many faced was dealing with the fact that they might never uh, come home. All right, well, we actually have a letter from a listener. It ties into this as we go through it. Uh, John emails in from Lincoln in the U.K., Hi, Adam. Although I've been listening to both your Great Detectives and Dragnet podcast for a very long time, I've only just subscribed to your new podcast in the last few days, and so I'm still several episodes behind. I'm currently listening to the Superman story about the nitrate shipment, and the thought occurred to me that I can think of another pre-Pearl Harbor serial that had thinly disguised Nazis— Uh, This was the Lone Ranger storyline that ran through 1941 into 1942, featuring the Black Arrow. Your associate, Andrew Rines, has played this on his uh, Westerns podcast, but didn't make any connection with the impending war that I can recall. As a Brit, I found the documentaries that opened your war series fascinating, giving a real insight into the American mindset at the time. It was also interesting to hear that the Nazis claimed to be offering social justice against perceived capitalist oppression of the poor, whilst their aims were also being touted in the House of Commons, as well as in British churches. My late father had a quiet war as a corporal in the RAF serving for most of the duration in Syria and Iraq, certainly not quite in uh, more recent times. His only claim to fame is that when General de Gaulle came to visit the Free French forces in that region, my father was detailed to be his driver. He told me that when the general's plane landed, the ground crew wheeled steps up to the nearest door. The general, imperious to the last, had someone open a door on the other side and waited in the doorway until the steps were wheeled around the back of the plane. Earlier this year, we were contacted by a lady in Texas who was researching her family history and had found a common ancestor back in the 19th century. She was particularly interested in the military history of the family And I related this story to her. Some weeks later, she sent a picture of de Gaulle's convoy on this visit. It was quite a distant shot, but my dad would have to be the driver. Uh, And uh, he concludes with, keep up the good work with all your podcasting. Well, thanks so much, uh, John. I appreciate it. And thanks so much for sharing. I love getting those uh, real-life war stories. That'll do it for now. If you have a story about your experiences or that of a loved one in World War II, I'd love to hear from you. I welcome all your comments at box 13 at net. Ken Curlin provides the opening theme. Heroic. KenCurlin.com. Andrew Rines edits our sound. otrwesterns.com. I'm your host, Adam Graham. The war is offered as a service of the great detectives of old-time radio, WW.